Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I'm here with yet another high demand coach, and that is the one and only Jerry Fu. Prior to starting his coaching business, Jerry served as a pharmacist and began facilitating leadership workshops in 2012. Jerry is a conflict resolution coach who helps Asian American leaders to advance in their career and life journey. Now, Jerry started coaching in 2017 to help Asian American professionals deal with the conflict that they encounter at work with their culture and within themselves. He's coached leaders at companies like Capital One, Boehringer Ingelheim, and Microsoft. Ever heard of them, right? Uh, And uh, he's an associate certified coach through the International Coaching Federation and certified in talent optimization, EQI 2.0 and EQI 360. The question that jumps off the page at me here, uh, Jerry, is what haven't you done? I mean, you've pretty much done everything. So first off, I'm so excited to have you here uh, on the show. I can't wait to dive into some of the stuff you're doing around conflict resolution. I think it's really powerful, really special. Before we do that, though, I want to hit rewind for just a moment and talk about it. So you were a pharmacist, is that right? Tell us a little bit about that. So some of the things that you learned there and how that ultimately led you to making the leap into doing coaching. Yeah, yeah. Pharmacy was the, the healthcare default setting that my family wanted me to do, but not quite because my family has a line of doctors. And so when I was not uh, in line to become a physician, because I didn't quite have the drive to get the grades to to push my way in. Uh, I said, well, I still want to do healthcare. So what's the next best thing? And pharmacy was on the up and up. And so um, thanks uh, to pharmacy for providing some level of prestige and salary comparable to <laughs> what healthcare practitioners are supposed to make. Uh, and at the same time, after about five years working for a chain pharmacy uh, to obtain the stability my immigrant father never had, uh, I decided I needed something different. And so tried to leverage my network and got a teaching job through a pharmacy consulting company that I left my uh, home for because at the time I was living with my family. And um, I thought that would be the last company I ever ever needed to work for. And uh, 11 months later, I got fired. Oh, and man. so that was uh, the wake up call that made me realize, hey, you know what? Something isn't working. I didn't want to admit uh, the uh, difficult and 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 essential truth that I needed to really grow up at that point, that it wouldn't be enough to just work for a nice company and assume that they would never be so mad at me that they would cut my, cut my position. So the next reality check happened six weeks later when I stumbled into a a house of cars pharmacy job where four of my paychecks bounced filling for crooked doctors. So not only am I jeopardizing my license, uh, my 
uh, owner isn't even paying me for it. So how do you confront a guy who's clearly ripping you off? Like they don't tell you these things, right? No. You didn't think you'd ever have to really like find the tool at your toolbox in order to do these. And so after nine months of chasing down paychecks and praying that I didn't get in trouble with the state board, uh, my network came to rescue me again and got me on with another company that was more legitimate, but couldn't pay me more than eight hours a week. And so I said, well, you know, beggars can't be choosers. What can I do next? And so they said, well, you know, you can get more hours in Austin, which is not a bad city to land in, but still wasn't home. And so that summer was key because some friends of mine who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit said, hey, we know you've been facilitating workshops on the fraternity side, but we'd love for you to step into our leadership meeting because one of our facilitators backed out. And so I said, yeah, absolutely. And so teaching leadership uh, did something like it changed my thinking about whether or not I could actually become a good leader. Because before I just said, oh, it's not possible. Like I'm not good at it. The few times I tried, I failed. I must never be good at it. But now I said, well, what if I could be a good leader? If I put in enough work, what could happen? And so when a manager position opened up in Houston, where I'd been based out of when I took the consulting job, I said, okay, gotta, gotta take on this challenge. Can't stay safe. Want to sleep in my own bed again. And so uh, I said, wow, this is, this will be it. It wasn't. <laughs> and so um, uh, about a year later, while I was on probation for not writing up or firing uh, technicians who were not pulling their weight, uh, the company had their funding pulled. And the only reason they got an interview with my next company was that I had leadership experience on my resume. So what I tell people is that leadership saved my career. And oh. so while I had more doors open for me, now that I have more credibility on my on my career path, I got tired of the grind because every job business model just wasn't sustainable compared to uh, big chains or things like that. And I knew I didn't want to work for them. So uh, I said, well, you know, what's left? And I said, I love people development because I consistently been facilitating workshops uh, since I started 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I said, what if I made a career out of that? Still very scared of failure and rejection. And so nothing serious happened until 2020 when I decided to get some coach training through ICF and and the pandemic hit. <laughs> and then we said, well, now what? And grateful for the pharmacy job I have and still have actually yeah. uh, that helps pay my bills. But uh, I said, how much longer am I going to put the dream off? And so to October of 2020, filed the LLC, got it going, try, struggle, fail, lots of anxiety, but uh, revenue is on, on its way up and uh, grateful that I, I had the chance to uh, step into this opportunity. That's fantastic. What a story. What a story. There's a lot to impact there. I'd like to start though with this. What would you say it today is some of the most important work you're doing with your coaching clients? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I'll give an example. So one leader said, Hey, I inherited my team. It's been three weeks and I have someone who's been on this team for about 10 years. So he's very seasoned. He's very experienced, but he's also mad that he uh, has not gotten the promotion. But the last two supervisors who tried to give feedback on what he was lacking in order to actually be qualified to consider a management position, uh, he rebuffed. And so he asked me, how do I get this guy to take my, my feedback seriously? Like, how do I make sure I don't have the same fate he does, right? Mm. And so um, by now, I have a framework to help people who are conflict averse like me, who still don't like writing people up, firing people. I, I hope I never get to a point where I take satisfaction in doing these things. But... You know, we said, okay, well, you know, how do you want this conversation to go? Right. What's possible? What's success to you? Is it just being able to say what you need to say? And even if he disagrees, is it 
finding some level of compromise? Is it him opening up a little more to consider what he'd be willing to change? Or is it just, hey, I just wanted to put it out there. If he says no, then hey, well, what less thing to worry about? Right. So we had him imagine what a successful conversation would sound like. Right. And then second step would be to say, okay, when are you going to find 10 seconds of courage to actually initiate this conversation? Right. Uh, 10 seconds of courage people love because you don't have to be a superhero. Just be one for 10 seconds. Pick up the phone, send that email, send that text, roll that boulder, lock the gate behind you. Okay. Nope. You, you know, we're dumping you in the pool. You better start swimming. Right. And so, uh, yeah, just get, get in the game. Right. Yeah. And then step three, Hey, script your critical phrases, right? Think about what you're going to say, what kind of case you want to make on paper. Don't let it rattle around in your head. Um, and, anticipate the pushback you're probably going to get right and so when you anticipate pushback how will you counter the counter and so now we have kind of an idea of hey let's inventory this let's make sure we don't get tangled in the weeds of every possible scenario but let's look at the you know one or two most likely and then see what happens so then step four is to rehearse these moves right you didn't just do this homework just to turn it in and get an a you need to Practice your posture, your tone, your body language. Can you role play with a friend to iron out your phrasing so you don't trip over your own words uh, in the heat of the moment, right? And then step five, hey, follow through, right? No plan survives attack by the enemy or by reality, but can you improvise? Can you think on your feet in such a way that will still get you across the finish line? And even if you don't, uh, now you have... Uh, feedback you can study to say, hey, if I had to do this over, how would I tweak my approach? And yeah. then how can I keep dialing and adjusting until uh, I actually get where I need to go? So yeah. uh, those are the things that I, I do for my clients. Yeah, I love that. I love the five steps too. Uh, so how does you know someone who is you know by your own kind of admission here, conflict averse, how do you end up landing in this world of conflict management? Yeah. Uh, sometimes you don't choose your specialty. Sometimes it chooses you, right? Sometimes you're, sometimes you're the moment of greatest pain and struggle is the exact moment of turning around and helping people uh, with the same struggle. You yeah. realize, Hey, you know, I didn't want this. I remember there was a guy I know who started the prison ministry who was a, a former felon and he thought he'd never want to go back to jail again. But guess what? Where's his greatest impact? Uh, mm. Right back where he had struggled for so long. And so, wow. yeah, I, uh, don't get me wrong, guys. It's not like, oh, it's broken now, right? It's like, hey, guys, uh, I've been through the mud. I've I've been through the struggle. And you know, if you're willing to put in the work, maybe you can get there too. So yeah. yeah, that's 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 why I realized that was the one great limiting step that helped me back every step of the way, whether it's like, hey, how do I have a difficult boss when or a difficult conversation when my boss and I don't see eye to eye? How do I confront the guy who's causing me problems? How do I confront people who are not pulling their weight? Everything comes down to being able to, hey, get started, get in there, deal with that struggle, deal with that anxiety and realize it's not fatal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's That's a fascinating statement because somewhere inside of our brain, right? And different people will debate it a little bit, but uh, somewhere inside of our brain, the, the reptilian brain, we'll call it that for now, for lack of a, a better term, but uh, it's literally screaming, you're going to die, right? Yeah. Like if you have that conversation, you are going to die, right? And, yeah. And so it's it's hard for us to 
to even relate to that concept. Cause I mean, we know that we know that, okay, if I walk in, it's not going to be the end of me, right. I'm not physically going to die, but I feel so strongly about this. And I love your point. I think it was step two, but your 10 seconds of courage. Right. Uh, so just, I want to pause on that thought for a little bit and, and just kind of unpack it a little bit. Why 10 seconds of courage? Um, it's right outside your comfort zone, right. Just to say, Hey, can you shrink that change? Because some people, right, they think, oh, I have to put on the whole superhero costume before I can go into the building. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to put on the cape right now. I don't want to put on the boots right now. And then meanwhile, there's a raging fire and you say, well, you know, the fire will go out eventually. And it's like, well, that's true. But now everything is burnt out. Like there's nothing to save. Right. And so when you say 10 seconds, you say, oh, like, I don't know how to find courage. I say, well, can you drum up 10 seconds? Like, Surely you can find 10 seconds. So just stretch yourself in that moment. Oh, one, 1,000, two, 1,000. All right. Send the email. Boop. Done. Okay. Oh, right. And then, you, and then <laughs> deal with the, deal with the immediate remorse afterward. They're like, ah, I can't take it back. Like, oh, well, uh, you know, may as well grow yep. up now. Right. And it's like, yep. better step up. It's such a good point because, uh, you know, anything, I mean, conflict avoidance is, is a big one for a lot of folks, but anything, there's that, you know, that procrastination, right? I think that principle can be applied just across the board. There's there's something that everyone doesn't want to do, right? Or everyone doesn't want to do something is probably a better way of putting that. And I think that idea of, and, and I loved how you position it is like, hey, imagine this going well, like, what do you actually want out of it? And then from that place, so we have a vision of something we're walking to. All right, find that 10 seconds of courage to just start the ball rolling. Uh, there's there's a lot of wisdom in that. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, now, next question here. I want to actually rewind to uh, the story you told on, on um, when you first came in. Yeah, And you were talking about the stability my immigrant father never had. And, mm -hmm. and there was just some weight on that. So... Um, I'd love to hear a little bit of how that has continued to shape some of the decisions and how you've used that to help the leaders that you serve. Yeah, yeah. Um, my parents' definition of success is a steady paycheck and benefits. And I can appreciate those, really. When you need, you want to have a good, profitable, credible job skill, whether it's medicine or engineering or otherwise and to be able to have someone say yes i value your skill right the the problem is that the everything comes externally right it's just i don't have it in me and therefore i'm relying on this external source to give me validation or mm -hmm. some sense of stability right and then you realize that doesn't always happen and even if i didn't get fired if it, i've seen i've worked for companies that it didn't matter that it wasn't my fault like the company still folded and so you realize, um, you know, I remember one coach saying how peace of mind is knowing that you can make money when you need to make it, right? Mm -hmm. Like the ability to produce wealth. And you realize, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to trust in my own creative resourcefulness to, you know, make money somehow, whether it is, hey, I go tutoring or I, you know, like do a presentation or I uh, solve some other problems. And so you realize stability is much more fleeting than you realize. But then when you internalize it and say, hey, you know what? Um, I can do something about this. Like, where is my locus of control? And so don't get me wrong. Like, I, I have more like my dad than I want to admit you know, where I want certain things. And then you realize, okay, well, that's good. I can appreciate the intent behind what he wanted for me and what he wanted for himself. And at the same time, why do, how do I put my own spin on it so that, yeah, because... 
Otherwise, no one would work for themselves, right? Yeah. And no one would want to bet on themselves and say, you know what? No, I'll, I'm going to buy my own benefits. They're expensive, but hey, I'm, I'm not going to be slave to somebody else and dependent on someone else's paycheck. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, one of the things that uh, I noticed even in your bio that you sent over in the the website uh, and everything is you do a lot of work with other Asian Americans. Um, mm -hmm. And what would you say are some of the unique challenges that Asians and Asian Americans face in the U.S. workforce today? Yeah, yeah, there's there's a number, right? One is the culture that I grew up in doesn't necessarily match the culture of the company I'm working for. That's mm -hmm. the first thing. The second is this uphill battle where you have to work twice as hard sometimes for the same amount of credit, assuming you even get it, right? Um, there is this continual, you know, am I enough? And sometimes that drive can lead to some good things, but you realize that you will never be content uh, if you let that happen. So there's, so if I had to list the challenges, one is adjustment. Uh, you know, how do I adapt without compromising who I am? Uh, the second would be engagement, right? To say, okay, you know, what are the rules? Which ones should I follow? Which ones can I stretch or even break? And, you know, am I willing to break? And am I willing to accept the consequences if I do? And then three, you know, what is the target, right? Am I looking for just another step up the ladder? Or am I really looking to uh, live for something bigger, like quality of life and meaningful relationships and things? And so I'd say those are three of the biggest ones that yeah. any Asian American leader would have to encounter. Yeah. Yeah. And along those same lines, how do Asian Americans do you find, and, and we're painting really broad strokes, but, um, but just in general, right? Uh, even if we go with the stereotype of it, which again has a negative connotation, but you get where I'm coming from. Yeah. Uh, how, what's the, what's kind of a standard approach for Asian Americans, and how does that differ from the standard approach to conflict for the the general U.S. workforce? Yeah, yeah. Um, Asians tend to be very deferential, right? Which is not a a problem when it comes to respecting a title, but it gets off the rails, right? When you think about like the Korean Airlines example, where people were afraid to speak up to the captain when like the plane was clearly in trouble, and then when you realize that your social protocol is greater than like patient say like or you know passenger safety then it's like right. okay that goes off the rails so um yeah i'd say like when you speak it's like hey it's okay like speak up to know hey here boss i need to bring something up with you and here's why right and when you emphasize the benefit of why you're bringing things up it, it kind of takes away the sting a little bit of recognizing hey you know what hey it's gonna be hard and this isn't a comfortable topic and I know that if we work through it, that our relationship will be stronger. So uh, I'd say the turning point is recognizing, hey, like the conflict doesn't mean something's wrong. The conflict means something is right because uh, the fact that you're able to bring this up without fear of retribution or retaliation uh, means that the relationship is strong. Yeah, yeah, that's that's such a powerful phrase. What can we do uh, as leaders uh, here in the U.S. to get the most out of uh, again Asian Americans who are who have a similar story to yours? Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm reminded of a book called Humble Inquiry by Edgar Schein, and I think the posture you take uh, to establish a sense of belonging when you say, "Hey, you know, I know some things. I don't know everything. Um, I'd like to learn more about you." What you know, going beyond what I assume about you, going beyond what I've, I know about your culture, that may, you know, that information may be wrong, or I may be misinformed. I'd 
how do I bring out the best in you? Like, how can I serve and support you? And when you, when both sides take that, you know, humility stance, I think there's a lot there that makes me say, Hey, you know what? I, I want to put my faith in this person, right? They're letting me open yeah. up. They're letting me be myself. And, uh, when you have that sense of belonging and, and you can do away with the pretenses, I think it helps get people in the right frame of mind for yeah. even before you appreciate any of the work that they do for you. Wow. Well, yeah, such a good point. It's it's often, you know, humility and conflict, right? It's just those those two things feel like they're just they can be tricky to navigate. But I think you're right. Setting that as hey, this is the foundation, both from as leaders and as uh, as employees and team members. If we can approach uh, each of those situations not with a humility that that causes us to back down, right, and avoid conflict, but a humility that says, hey, I want to understand this better. Right, humility that leads to curiosity. I found is one of the key pieces to to uh, approaching conflict. And I, th I think you really hit that well. Uh, all right, here's a question I like to ask all my guests, uh, and it, it's this: What is the biggest secret that you just wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everyone listening or watching today knew? Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of ties back to recognizing that failure is not fatal with conflict. It comes back down to recognizing, hey, guess what? Conflict resolution is a skill anybody can learn. Like it's not just reserved for like the experts or like certain people have it or they don't. Maybe some people are are, are more willing to engage, but that doesn't change the fact that they still have to work and refine uh, mm -hmm. how they engage conflict. And so yeah. when you say, "Hey, put in the work," and you know, even if you say, oh, "I'll never be a conflict resolution expert," it's okay as long as you're better than when you started. Uh, we'll all celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and this idea of it being a skill, because uh, a couple of times throughout the conversation, you've had these moments where you're like, I couldn't do that. You stepped out, you had your own 10 seconds of courage and went in and did it. Uh, and so that person who's sitting there and, and they just heard it, right? Conflict resolution is a skill that anyone can learn, but they're still like, I don't know. What would you say to them in this moment? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, the same mental kind of yeah i don't want to call it a trick but it's something like his mental switch right to say well, what if well if you could do it like how would you carry yourself right yeah. if you were a good leader you know let, could you put on your imagination half for just a second let's say you know we just switch that off and you know if you were an expert in the subject what would you how would you you know say or do things and all of a sudden right when they realize the pressure's off because they're not in, the body doesn't realize you're you're like hypothetically experimenting and then all of a sudden like you take the rails off and then all of a sudden they, they just start to kind of play with their own play with their own tools and and yeah. come up with their own stuff and it's just fun to watch that's fantastic oh that's fantastic all right so i'm gonna have you take off your coach hat for a second i'm gonna have okay. you put on your your ceo your leader hat of your own and tell us what does the next stage of growth look like look like for you as a leader and what challenges do you think you're gonna have to overcome to get there yeah, yeah, I've I've been dealing with this for the last two or three months actually, and I've I've come to the sobering realization that um, you know I'm relying on a lot of coaching platforms for revenue, and uh, grateful for them, grateful that they trust me to represent their platforms well, and I've realized that um, I can't make a career pivot based on the on the compensation that they're that they're giving me. Um, thankful for it, and. I know that overall as numbers, right? It'll just only be a hobby at best if I just continue to just say, hey, this is enough. And you know, same thing with uh, you know, podcast appearances, right? It's just an easy target now. Like I got over that fear of rejection and grateful again for every host I've met. And uh, but at the same time, I realized, you know what? I 
I need to do more keynotes. I need to do um, more of my own uh, products because right. that way I don't have to settle for the scraps when it comes to yeah. um, you know uh, selling and and the revenue. So yeah, that's that's my big carry on Dash's goal this year is just hey, you know what? I'm I'm going to have to start chasing after whales and not just settle for the minnows. That's great. Well, it's uh, there's there's that moment of like, you know, <laughs> and then yeah. you go in and uh, and uh, yeah, again, um, you'll find your 10 seconds and what you're doing is is remarkable. It's special. It's needed. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so excited just thinking about the success that you'll be able to achieve as you go out there and make it happen. You know, we've seen it in your story time and time again. And I appreciate you sharing that uh, with uh, with me and with our audience. So uh, there's some folks that are out there listening and they're just like, like uh, there's so much about your story that they resonate with, right? And and they want to be able to step into conflict. They're, they're dealing with something at work right now and they're, they're dealing with it by not dealing with it or whatever it may be, exactly. right? They just want to become better leaders. They want to become better at this, uh, the skill of conflict resolution. How can they find out more about your work and what you do? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a free guide, uh, giveaway outlining these five steps with the case study, www.adaptingleaders.com forward slash guide. Or if you just go to adaptingleaders.com, check out the website. There's a free blog where I unpack all sorts of neat material or book summaries or schedule a complimentary 30 minute call experience coaching for yourself. And realize just what kind of transformation it leads to, but at the very least, adaptingleaders.com. That's great. Excellent. Adaptingleaders.com forward slash guide. Jerry, uh, it's just an honor having you on the show. So appreciate you being here. And for those of you who are listening, watching, you know that your time and attention mean the world to me. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did, and I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.